Uh, good evening, brothers and sisters in the faith. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Bible History Project. Our topic for today is about commitment and its relevance when it comes to the attainment of salvation and everlasting life. But before we proceed, we ask all to please stand for our opening prayer. Almighty and merciful Yahuwah, thank you so much for maintaining our life and strength. We gather before you now to honor you and to study your holy words. Father, we cannot possibly do this on our own. We rely completely upon the work of your Spirit through us. You called us to belong to you, and so we firmly believe that by the guidance of your Spirit, we will come to the knowledge of your truth. Lord Yahusha, we also praise your name. May you please be with your servants today, and may you dwell always in our hearts, that we can grow always in our faith. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha. Amen. Okay, again, uh, thank you so much for attending our Bible study. We'll be doing Exodus chapter 13. But before we get to Exodus 13, there's one something that I want to mention to all of you because it's so important when it comes to the attainment of salvation. And it's called commitment. How many here? know what commitment means. Anyone here know what commitment means? If I were to ask you, what's the definition of commitment? Sister May, what would be your answer? She does not know or she's shy. What does it mean to commit? It means to do what you have intended to do, right? Even if it is not easy, even if it means having to make a sacrifice. Why is commitment necessary for us to be saved? Let's read here first. In the book of Matthew 19, 16, 22, Now a man came up to Yahushua and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Yahushua replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Yahushua replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Yahushua answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. According to Yahushua, There is this man who asked them a question. What is the question? Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Of course, we all want to know the answer to that question. So what was the first response of Yahushua? He said, obey the commandments. What are examples of the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, honor your father and your mother, love your neighbor as you love your Self And the young rich man said, I have kept all the commands. And then he asked, what do I still lack? Perhaps he was confident because he was able to do the commands mentioned by Yahushua. Yahushua told him, sell all of your possessions and give it to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven because you are going to follow me. What was the response of the rich young man? He said, basically, No. He said yes to the other commands, but when Yahushua told him to sell all that he had, give the proceeds to the poor, and follow me, that 
hindered him from obtaining everlasting life. Question, the rich young man, did he want salvation and everlasting life? What is your answer? Yes, he wanted it. But just because you want something doesn't mean you get it, right? There are people who want to be doctors, but not all who want to be doctors become doctors. There are people who want to become lawyers, but not all who want to become lawyers become lawyers. What do you need? It's not enough simply to want something. You have to commit to it. You see, the young man was not committed to Yahusha HaMashiach because if he was committed, then he would have gladly sold all his possessions to follow him. So what does it require from all of us to be fully committed to Yahusha? Let's read Matthew 16, 24. Then Yahusha said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And that's the essence of commitment. It's when you deny yourself so you can, so you can follow and be a disciple of Yahusha HaMashiach. And as followers of the Christ who want to be saved, we need to learn to develop commitment. We need to be fully committed to our God, Yahuwah, and to His Son, Yahushua. And when we go to the Israelites, they left Egypt, right? They're on their way to the promised land. But not all who left Egypt were able to enter the promised land, right? Only a very few, a small remnant, actually entered the promised land. Why? Because of a lack of commitment. Next slide. This is why Exodus 13 will illustrate to us what God wants from us so that we can develop full commitment to our God, Yahuwah, and His Son, Yahusha. Hamashiach. And so let's begin with asking the question. Next slide. How can we develop our commitment to Yahuwah Almighty? So let's go to Exodus chapter 13 in the verses 1. Then Yahuwah said to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belong to me. So if you had much livestock, Every time they give birth, the firstborn is to be given to who? God. If you, had, if you have a wife and you beget a son or a daughter, if it's a male or a son, the firstborn gives, is, is to be dedicated to who? Our Almighty God. And so what we can see here is God wants us to dedicate our life or ourselves to Him. That's one of the first things we need to do. To develop commitment to our God, we need to dedicate our life to Him. How do we do that? Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Are you a student? Dedicate your studies to who? God. You want to start a business? Dedicate your business to who? God. You're going to get married? Dedicate your love first and foremost to God, and He will take care of your marriage. See, when we use our life to honor God, we dedicate ourselves to God. That's the first requirement for us to develop full commitment to Him. Next slide. So first, dedicate our life to Yahuwah, our God. What else? Let's read the book of Exodus 13, verse 3. Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because Yahuwah brought you out with a mighty hand, eat nothing containing Yeast. What does God instruct Moses to do? He says, commemorate this day. What day? 
the day when they left Egypt. Why? Because it was God who delivered them with his mighty hand. What does the word commemorate mean? It means to celebrate because you want to remember what God has done for you. And what, do we, what should we do so that we can learn to commemorate God's works? Let's read the book of Psalms 77, 11 and 12. I will remember the works of Yahuwah. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. This is why as God's people in these last days, we remember when God delivered us and brought us together to become one flock. This is why every July 27, what do we do? We commemorate, right? We remember by having a formal gathering, a worship service wherein we express our faithfulness to God. When we have our Passover during these times, we commemorate the death of who? Yahusha. To remember what God has done for us and what Yahusha has done for us. Next slide. So to develop commitment, number one, dedicate your life to God. Honor Him. Number two, commemorate the works of Yahuwah. Remember the good things He has done for your life. What else? The book of Exodus 13, 4 down to 5. Now today, in the month of Abib, you are leaving. When Yahuwah brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hevites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your forefathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you are to observe this ceremony in this month, the month of Abib, that corresponds to March, April of our Gregorian calendar. Okay, So during that month, they are to commemorate the Feast of unleavened bread, including the Passover meal. So they are to observe that ceremony. And now what is important to Yahuwah when it comes to this week of celebration? Let's read Exodus 13, 6 down to 7. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast. And on the seventh day, hold a festival to Yahuwah. This one thing we can see from the Jewish people and looking at the commands of God, God likes it when his people celebrate. You'll notice throughout our studies, the people of God like to celebrate a lot. God wants them to be happy. God wants them to be filled with joy as they remember what God has done for them. This is why God wants, okay, at the seventh day, you're going to have a, a festival. Do you know what a festival is? What's a festival? It's a party. <laughs> it's a celebration of God's goodness to his people. However... God also says in verse 7, eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. God has something against yeast for some reason. I wonder what yeast represents. What does that point to? Which is why God wants yeast to be a part from his people. We need to be set apart from yeast. What is yeast? What does it refer to, metaphorically speaking? Let's read Corinthians 5, uh, 5, verse 8. Let us celebrate our Passover, then not with bread, having the old yeast of sin and wickedness, but with the bread that has no yeast, the bread of purity and truth. What does yeast represent? Sin and wickedness. So what God wants is for us to remove sin and wickedness from our life and replace it with what? 
purity, and truth. A life of commitment to God is a life of commitment to removing sin and wickedness in our life and in the lives of God's people. Next slide. So number three, live a holy life. We need to remove sin from our life. What else? Exodus 13 and the verses 8. On the seventh day, Bible says, you must explain to your children, I am celebrating what Yahuwah did for me when I left Egypt. According to the Holy Bible, there's something that they must do. The parents, what is that? They must explain to their children why the people of God are celebrating. What does that tell you about Yahuwah? What does he want from us as a people? What does he want from us? He wants our children involved in our worship. Not only that, there's something God also wants from each one of us. Deuteronomy 6, 6-9, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What is the command of God concerning the parents? They have a responsibility. What is that? To teach religion in their home. They should not rely on the minister, but they themselves. How so? Repeat again and again to their children the commandments of our Almighty God. At home, do it. On the road, do it. Going to bed, getting up, remind them of the teachings of our Almighty God. Because what God wants, if we, if we are truly committed to Him, is that we will get our children also committed to who? To him. And isn't that also what we want? I mean, we don't want our children to be left behind. We want them with us in our journey from here to the promised land. It's also what God wants. Next slide. So train our children to revere, to love, and to worship Yahuwah. Our God. What else? Exodus 13, 9 down to 10. The annual festival will be a visible sign to you, like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you always to recite this teaching of Yahuwah. With a strong hand, Yahuwah rescued you from Egypt. So observe the decree of this festival at the appointed time each year. What also? must we do to develop a commitment to our God? We need to remind ourselves about the teachings of our God. Why? Because as human beings, we tend to forget, right? What was the lesson last Sunday about? Huh? <laughs> you already forgot, right? This is why it's good to remind ourselves. Sometimes during the time of the Jews, they write things on their doorposts, right? Maybe they're in some houses that we've been to. They even have like a, a poster of the commandments of God. Some even have the words of God. Some even have the whole Torah displayed in their living room, right? You know who you are, right? And so we have many ways by which we remind ourselves about the words of God. There are people who, who wear tassels. Remember the chit chit? There are people who have that. It's good to have that if it will remind us of the word of God. God. However, Yahusha said something here. What is that? 
about that. In the book of Matthew 23, verse 5, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they were extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they were robes with extra long tassels. And so they just want to do all this for show. They want to project to the people watching them, look at me. I know and love the words of God. Do we do that sometimes? And there's some people who, you know, I really love the Bible study. They attend the Bible study all the time. That's good, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a, a long tassel if you want a tassel. Nothing wrong with having scripture verses in your pocket and memorizing the scriptures. That's good. Nothing wrong with attending Bible study all the time. That's good. We should do that. However, according to the Holy Scriptures, James 1, 22, 25, do not, receive, do not deceive yourselves by just listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice. If you listen to the word but do not put it into practice, you are like people who look in the mirror and see themselves as they are. They take a good look at themselves and go away and at once forget what they look like. But if you look closely into the perfect law that sets people free and keep on paying attention to it and do not simply listen and then forget it, but put it into practice, you'll be blessed by God in what you do. Brothers and sisters, the significance, the importance of the words of God comes not just by knowing it, memorizing it, but by practicing it. This is why the Bible says if you listen to the words of God, but you don't put it to practice, you are deceiving yourself. You know what? The Bible likens the word of God to, it's likened to what? A mirror, because it reveals who we truly are. It shows all of our faults, right? When you look in the mirror, you look at yourself, and you see something misplaced in your hair. There's like a mark on your face. What do you do? If you see something misplaced in your hair, you fix it, right? You see something hanging. <laughs> what do you do? You fix it, right? You don't ignore it by stop looking in the mirror. I don't want to see that, so I'm just going to step away from the mirror. The Bible says if there are people who listen to the words but don't put it to practice, it's basically looking into the mirror, finding something wrong with themselves but ignoring it. It's not going to benefit us. If we want the Scriptures to benefit our life, we need to put it into practice. Next slide. So number five, remind ourselves daily of the teachings of Yahuwah because as human beings, we have a tendency to forget. What else? Exodus 13, 11 down to 12. When Yahuwah brings you to the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he swore to you and your ancestors, sacrifice every firstborn male offspring to Yahuwah. The firstborn male offspring of each of your animals belongs to Yahuwah. And so what does God also require from his people? That they are to sacrifice every firstborn male offspring, whether from the livestock or from the human beings. It is to be sacrificed to our God. You know why God commands us to offer a sacrifice because a sacrifice is like a token of commitment. It shows your commitment to Him. And when we offer a sacrifice, we say to God, I'm committed to you and to your work. This is why throughout scriptures, God always requires 
a sacrifice that we offer to him. For example, the book of Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. Honor Yahuwah with your wealth and with the first and best part of all your income. Then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. During the Old Testament, what is that called? The, the first and best part of your income. It's called the, the tithe, right? This was the command of God in the Old Testament to give the tithe of your income. During the Christian era, what has it become? Let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 8. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will, give, will generously provide all you need. And you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And so during the Christian era, it's still the same. God wants his people to give a sacrifice. Because when we sacrifice to God, it shows our commitment to him and to the work that he wants us to support. So number six, next slide, offer sacrifices to Yahuwah. What else? Exodus 13, verse 13. Bible says, redeem with a lamb. Every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. So when you look at all your livestock, you have different kinds. You got sheep. You got goats. You got cattle. You might also have a donkey, right? A donkey is a very important animal. It's a beast of burden. But the Bible says if you have a firstborn donkey... What are you supposed to do with that? Instead of offering it to God as a sacrifice, you're supposed to redeem it with a lamb. Why? Why do you think God wants the, if the donkey be redeemed with a lamb? Why? Because a donkey is not a clean animal. In the Old Testament, you're going to find out later on, there are animals that God deems clean and some animals that God deems unclean. A lamb is clean. A donkey is not clean. And so you cannot offer as a sacrifice to God what is unclean. So what are you supposed to do? Redeem it. The donkey is to be redeemed. In other words, you replace it with a lamb. Okay? Because a lamb is clean. If the donkey is not redeemed, what are you supposed to do with it? Break its neck. You know why? You know what God is telling us here? You know what the donkey symbolizes here? It's us, human beings. The donkey symbolizes human beings because we, in so many ways, are like a beast of burden. And like the donkey needs to be redeemed. If it's not redeemed, its destiny is death. This is why we need redemption. All of us need redemption. And when it comes to the firstborn sons, of course, you're not going to sacrifice your kid, right? And so you're going to redeem it with a lamb. And so what does this tell us about our life? Let's read what it says in the book of Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Brothers and sisters, I know when we think of our life, we say to ourselves, this is my life, right? Don't tell me what to do with my life. And God has given us freedom to choose. 
God has given us our life. However, we were also redeemed. And God paid a high price for us. What did it cost God to pay for us? Huh? Yeah, it cost him his own son, our Lord Yahushua. That's a high price to pay. But he did it. And so we must remember, we don't belong to ourselves now. We belong to who? God. So we need, we need to use our life to honor our Almighty God. Okay? Verse, that's the uh, next slide, please. Number seven, our life, always remember, belongs to Yahuwah because Yahuwah has redeemed each and every one of us. Now, what will happen in the future, according to Yahuwah? Exodus 13, 14 and 16. And in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? And you will tell them with the power of his mighty hand, Yahuwah brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. So Yahuwah killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That's why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to Yahuwah, except the firstborn sons are always bought back. This ceremony would be like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of Yahuwah's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. Yahuwah said, in the future, your children will ask you, what does this all mean? Here's a question I want to ask you. When your kids ask you about your faith, can you explain it to them? Can you explain to them why the name of God is important? Can you explain to them why worship is important? Can you explain to them the work of God in sending a messenger in these last days? Can you explain to them the meaning of the prophecies? Because God says, when your children will ask you, what does all this mean? You have to give an explanation. <laughs> well, what if you don't have an explanation? Because sometimes when kids ask us questions, just believe, right? And this is what happened before when people ask questions, oh, just believe. And this is what happened to us in the institution before we left, right? We have a lot of questions. What do they say? Oh, I don't mind that. Just believe. Believe that he has been appointed by God. You know, brother, we have to have an answer. We need to know all about our faith. Because if we can't defend our faith because we have no knowledge of how to do so, how are we going to affect our kids? How are we going to be strong in our faith? You know, if you cannot explain your faith, you do not yet understand your faith. If you cannot defend your faith, perhaps we don't even have faith yet. This is why we have to work on it. God expects us to work on it. Why? The book of Second, uh, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, but have reverence for Christ in your hearts and honor him as Lord. Be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are insulted, those who speak evil of you, if you speak evil of your good conduct as followers of the Christ, will become ashamed of what they say. You know, we have many members working together with us who really know their faith, right? And you can see their wisdom sprinkled throughout the comments that you find on Facebook. However, we have to do that with gentleness and respect. Somebody asks you about your faith, give them an answer. But do it with gentleness and respect. If they insult you, don't insult back. Rather, answer with gentleness and respect. But for us to be able to do that, we need to know our faith. 
We need to know the reasons why we have our hope. Next slide, number eight. We must know our faith. What else? Exodus 13, 17 to 18, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. And so when they were leaving Egypt to go to inherit the promised land, God did not take them to the shortest route. How many people were traveling together, together with their kids, their wives, the soldiers? How many? More than two million to all together. More than probably three million. My estimate, probably six million. <laughs> That's just my estimate. Is that a lot of people? Have you ever been on a convoy? For example, you drive from here to Southern California. It's kind of difficult, right? It's kind of difficult to lead a convoy of three cars. Can you imagine Moses dealing with all the Israelites? They're going to travel together all the way to the promised land. And so what you would want is the short route, right? But what does God do? God doesn't take him to the short route. God takes him around through the desert. Can you imagine traveling with millions of kids through the desert? That's pretty tough. And so you might be complaining, why are we going through this route? But God had a reason. What was God's reason? Or God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Because God knew they're going to go through Philistine country. And there, they're going to face war. And they're not ready for war. Because there, there's an Egyptian outpost that had soldiers. And so they're not ready for battle. So God was thinking about their ability to endure about their capabilities, right? See, God knows what we can and cannot do, right? God knows your limitations. And so what should we develop, what should we remember about God, especially when we go through the deserts in our life? Let's read Corinthians 10, verse 13. Every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people, but God keeps his promise, and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you're put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it, and so provide you with a way out. You see, God knows what we're capable of. God knows our strengths and our weaknesses. So if he knows we cannot possibly endure this, he will not take us through that. And so if you are currently going through a difficult time in your life, you know what that means? Because God knows you can do it. God knows you can handle it with his help, because he will give you that strength that you will be able to endure whatever you are facing. And so what should we develop when we face difficulties in our life? Proverbs 3, 5 to 7, trust in Yahuwah with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember Yahuwah in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. Never let yourself think that you are wiser than you are. Simply obey Yahuwah and refuse to do wrong. And so brethren, let us never think that we are smarter than God. There are things we can plan for. There are things we can see, but there are also plenty of things we cannot see. But God sees all of that. 
right? This is why we should trust in Yahuwah with all of our heart. Remember Yahuwah in everything that we do. Can you imagine how many people complained to Moses because they took the long route? Because they did not understand God saw something that was detrimental to their condition. And so we need to trust in Yahuwah. That's number nine. Next slide. Trust Yahuwah in everything. Now, what else did Moses do? Uh, Exodus 13, 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Remember Joseph? For Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you when he does. You must take my bones with you from this place. So Moses took the bones of Joseph. Where was the bones of Joseph at? Where were they at? In Egypt. Where in Egypt? Genesis 50, verse 25 to 26. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. This is why they had a special uh, place to, to, to store the coffin of Joseph. It was accessible to the Israelites. And every time they would see the coffin of Joseph, they are reminded of God's promise. Because Joseph was sure. He was absolutely sure. He said, God will surely come to your aid. This is why he knew time will come when they're going to leave Egypt. And so Joseph said, swear, swear to me, when you go to where God has promised to bring his people to, bring my bones with you. That's how sure he was. And we should be like that as well, right? That's why in Romans 8, 31 to 32, why should we believe that God will help us? Why will he surely come to our aid? Romans 8, 31, 32, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can never be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Isn't that true? This is why if Joseph, if Joseph was so sure God would deliver his people, bring him to the promised land, we should be even more sure because God has already given us who? The Christ. And Apostle Paul says, if God did not spare his own son, don't you think he will give you everything else? Don't you think he will help you when you need it the most? And so we can always place our hope and trust in the help of our God. Next slide. That's number 10. And we have one more left. Exodus 13, 20 to 22. The Israelites left Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. Yahuwah, take note, went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel day by day or by night. Yahuwah did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Several things I want you to notice here. Who went ahead of them? Yahuwah. What does that mean? He's leading. He's leading his people. God wants to lead us. We should let him lead us. How did he lead his people? With a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And how long did he, was the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire available? 24-7. And what God is telling us? He's not going to remove his leadership from our life. It's available for us 
The question is, do we want that kind of leadership? Do we want God to lead and guide us? We should want it. If we want to live a life of complete and full commitment to our God, we need to let him lead and guide our life. Let him be in front of us. Let's not go ahead of God and say to God, follow me. No, we got to follow him. Let him lead us because he knows where he's going. Next slide. So that's number 11. Let Yahuwah lead you and guide you. This is how we can develop our commitment to Yahuwah Almighty. It begins with dedication. Dedicate your life to him. Every part of your life. Not just your religious life, but every part of your life. Your education, your business, your job, whatever it may be, dedicate that to Yahuwah. Number two, commemorate the works of the Father. Let us have our celebrations in honor of God's works. Number three, live a holy life. You cannot say we, commit, we are committed to God unless we live a holy life. Number four, train our children to worship, revere, and love Yahuwah. Number five, remind ourselves every day of the teachings of our God. Offer sacrifices to Yahuwah that are pleasing to Him. Our life, always remember, belongs to Yahuwah, our God. Number eight, we must know our faith. We need to know the reasons why we believe. Number nine, trust in Yahuwah for everything. Pray to Him. Do not trust in your knowledge and wisdom. Place your trust in God's wisdom. Number ten, rely on the help of Yahuwah because it, it will be there. It's impossible for Yahuwah not to help you. He will help you in one form or another. He will help you. Because if he will not help you, then he is breaking his promise to us. And he will never do that. He is a God who honors his promises. And number 11, let Yahuwah lead you and guide you. And quite frankly, brethren, that's the best way to lead, to lead your life. When you let, you let Yahuwah, our God, lead us. And he wants to lead us. You know why God wants to lead us? This is what Yahuwah himself says in Psalms 32, verse 8. Yahuwah says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. You know, as human beings, we don't really know the best pathway for our life, right? This is why people have regrets. People make mistakes. But for God, he knows the best pathway for you. The good news is, if in the past we did not want the leadership and guidance of God, and because of this, we kind of uh, messed up, our life, it's not too late. God is able to fix that. That's why he can still take us to the best pathway for our life. And when it comes to God leading us, the Bible says he will advise us. Best of all, he will watch over you. Brethren, there's no better way to live your life than to have the Father himself watch over us and take us to the best pathway in our life. Commit your life to the Father, and you will find blessing after blessing from here to the promised land and receive his deep and complete fellowship. Okay? Now let's go to our mailbox. First one here for our mailbox is a question from one of our former brothers. Hello, Pokar Orlando. I hope this message finds you well. Thank you very much for posting the YouTube videos and hosting the worship services. I have been watching and taking notes of your lessons. I was an INC member, but left about five years ago. I was going through some challenging times in life and started reading the Bible. That's good. You know, when something 
wrong takes place in our life, the first thing to do is to go to the Bible. And so this brother was converted, um, but he believes that Christ is YHWH. In other words, he believes that Christ is God. Okay? And there are many scriptures, he says, that teach that Christ is God. One is, but one I would like to specifically mention is Hebrews 1, 8 to 12. And he uses uh, the NASB translation. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. So that's the question. It's about Christ being God. Okay, which is a, a common question that we receive. And I believe you know how to answer this question. Right, we kind of know like the Christology, but let's go ahead and take a look. This is a, a very good question, by the way. And in Hebrews 1 8 to 12, in the NASB, which he quotes, it says, But the Son, who is the Son? Yahushua. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Okay, and so that's what's written in, in Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, chapter 8, we did not read the, all of it because what we want to see is uh, the first part, 8 here. And so in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, it says the Son is referred to as God, your throne, O God. And so Yahusha is referred to as God. Therefore, Yahusha must be the God mentioned in Hebrews 1, 8 down to well, okay, you get it so far? Right. That's the NASB translation. However, in the other translations of Scripture, for example, the Mophat, this is what it says in Hebrews 1.8, okay? He says of the Son, God is thy throne. You see the difference? Let's go back to the first one in NASB. In this one, it says, uh, your throne, son, the Son, he says, your throne, O God. So the son is being called God, right? In the Mofa, it says the son, God is thy throne. In another translation, in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, but to the son, colon, your throne, comma, God. Right? And so it's clear there, God refers not to the son, but to the throne of the son. Okay, so we have uh, NASB, the Mofa, the HCSB. How do we know which one's right? Well, let's go ahead and check the interlinear, the Hebrew words in this passage, Hebrews 1.8. Next slide. This is how, the, actually, this is Greek. Uh, the Greek words in Hebrews 1.8. And if you can look at the word theos, you see theos? Should have highlighted. All the way to the right. It says, to and the son, the throne of you, hyphen, and then God. You notice there is no corresponding word, no Greek word for the word O and is. It's only theos, right? Do you see that? There's no O, there's no is, but there's an H-O before it, which is, uh, they put as a hyphen. Okay, so what this means when you look at it from the Hebrew without any bias to, the, uh, to and the son, the throne of you, the throne of the Son, comma, God. This is why in the translations, next slide, in Hebrews 1, 8 to 9, HCSB, Son, your God, uh, Son, colon, your throne, comma, God. So God is referring to the throne of 
the Son. Hebrews 1.8.9, Son, comma, God is thy throne. But in NASB, Son, he says, your throne, O God. But how can we know for sure which is the correct translation? You know what you need to do? You just need to read the rest of the passage, right? So let's read verse 9 in all these passages. Look at verse 9 in the NASB. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Verse 9 also in the HCSB. That is why God, your God, has anointed you. And in the Mophat, God, thy God, has consecrated thee. And so the Son, according to verse 9, is to be anointed by God. And clearly mentions that the Son recognizes God who will anoint him or consecrate him. This is why the correct translation, which would be the HCSB, the Mophat, which we saw from the interlinear, makes logical sense. Right? This is why the better translation is the HESB and the MOFA. Okay? Is that clear? Okay. All right. Let's go to the next question. Magtatanong po kayo. Magtanong po kayo sa mas matanda sa inyo sa samahan ninyo ngayon. Noong itinuro ng sugo na ang Ama, ang Diyos, at nung itinuro niya na si Kristo ay hindi Diyos kundi tao, pinag-usig po siya at ang mga naunang kaanib. Kaya noon pa ay natupad na ito pag-uusigin kapag pinakilala ang Diyos at hindi ngayon lang sa panahon ninyo. Nung sinabi ng Panginoong Yesus na ihahayag niya sa mga tunay na lingkod ang pangalan ng Diyos nagawa na po na nagawa na po niya yun, yun sa panahon niya at ng mga apostol ang itinuro nila ang Ama at patuloy na iniha, inihayag ng sugo sa panahon nagsisimula ang INC noong 1914, at hindi ngayon lang sa panahon nyo. Mag-isip po kayo kung ihahayag ang pangalan ng Diyos sa mga tunay na lingkod. Kakasangkaparin kaya ng Diyos ang hindi naman niyang sinugo? Okay, let's go there first. So according to this person, um, during the time when the sugo preached about the uh, nature of Yahusha, our Lord, he was persecuted. And the members of the church were also persecuted. We're not denying that, right? I mean, when you preach righteousness, you're going to be persecuted. But let's accept the truth. We were never persecuted because of the name of Yahusha, right? A, a truth of the matter is, we were persecuted because of the name Manalo, right? They even called us Iglesia ni Manalo. We were persecuted in the name of Manalo, which is okay. However, during this time, what we're experiencing now, we're being persecuted because of the name of Yahusha. Did that happen during the, day, the days of the apostles? Yes. Is it also happening now? Yes. Now the question poses in the highlight, um, will God reveal uh, to his servants his name to someone who is not a messenger? So that's the question. So this is the uh, first response. First of all, I was not the one who revealed the name of God. Okay? I was not. God revealed his own name to who? Patriarchs, to Moses, the prophets, to Yahusha, the apostles, and had it all recorded in the Bible. We have not revealed the name. It has already been revealed. It's in the Bible. What did we do? We're simply proclaiming it. 
That's what we're doing. We're simply proclaiming it. Why? Because it's in the Bible. Next slide. It's all over the Bible. And we're simply proclaiming what's in the Bible all along. We're not adding a new doctrine. We're proclaiming what's in the Bible concerning the name Yahoo, Yahuwah, our God, and Yahusha, the Son of God. Now, next slide. It mentions also the last part. Sugo ba si Rolando Dison? Pakitanong po sa kanya kung katotohanan tungkol sa Diyos ang gustong ituro ng Diyos sa mga tao, sugo o kahit hindi sugo ang kakasangkapanin niya? And so the question is, am I a messenger? And I'm going to say, no, I'm not a, a prophet or a messenger of God. I'm simply a person who was a, an ordained minister preaching the word of our Almighty Father, right? And so we're studying and reading the truth of God. Here's my question. Sugo ba ang kapatid na Iranio Manalo? Is he sugo? And so, I mean, I mean, I don't really know the question. So I would ask that person if Ka'erdi, he believes is a sugo. Why? Because there are many doctrines he, te- he, he taught that was never taught by the sugo. What's the point here? Point here is it's not about the sugo. It's not about Ka'erdi. It's about who? God. Why? Because the truth will come from him. He is the one who pours the spirit. Can he use anyone he wants? Yeah. Can he use people who don't even belong to the people of God? What's your answer? Yes. Has he done that before? Yeah. Cyrus. Right? Prophesied in the book of Isaiah. It's not of God. Did not belong to the people of God. But he was used by God. Will God use people today during the last days that will speak the message of God who are not quote-unquote sugo? Let's read the book of Acts 17, uh, 2.17 down to 21. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour my spirit on my servants, on both men and women. They will speak what God has revealed. I will work miracles in the sky and give signs on the earth, blood, fire, and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will become as red as blood before the terrifying day of the Lord comes. Then whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, God, can he use people who are not quote-unquote sugo during these last days? What is your answer? Yes. God himself said, I will pour out my spirit to his sons and daughters, his servants. And what will they do? They will speak what God has revealed. These sons and daughters, these servants referred to in in this passage, are they all sugos? (laughs) But can they speak the message of God? Yes. Why? Because God poured his spirit. You see, the sugo does not have the monopoly on the spirit of God. God gets to choose to whom he gives his spirit to. The important question is, who can receive the spirit of our almighty God? You see, brethren, we want to direct your faith, not on the messengers, but on God. Sometimes we limit our faith to what the sugo taught. And so we're limiting our faith. We are placing our faith on the sugo instead of God. And the sugo will be very upset with you. If you do that, we must place our faith not in the sugo, but in the, the, the sugo's God and the Son of God. Okay? 
All right. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, kayo na ang sugo. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> Sige, proclaim Ursel. I don't know what that means. What does that mean, Ursel? Sige, proclaim yourself. Oh, you guys are smart. <laughs> proclaim yourself and establish your own church and make a fortune out of it. <laughs> Soon you'll be having followers and then get baptized. Yo. <laughs> Uh, to become members, then sooner or later there, you will have ministers. <laughs> then from that group, you will write, uh, from that group will rise opposers of your own teachings. Green horns. I've never heard of green horns before. What exactly are green horns? Anyone here know what green horns are? No? Is that like, a, should I go to Urban Dictionary and look that up? <laughs> green horns that will desire to go above you and become a traitor. Then you will cut them, expel them. Then <laughs> they will make uh, for themselves another doctrines. They will establish another church and so on and so forth. So actually, I mean, I'm trying to look at the question to ask. I think the question that, you, that we can kind of get from this comment is the question, the defenders, our position now. If this is of God, why do we have so many divisions, right? There's a, is that the group with the Ka Junsan? There's a group with Ka Lowell. There's a group with Ka whoever. I, I don't even know the group. There's so many different groups. And so the question is, if this work is from God, why are we so divided? Are you surprised? Are you surprised that there's so many divisions? We should not be. You know why? There's something I want you to understand. Next slide. First of all, not all unity is good. Because there are people who parade the word unity. They call in the name of unity as though all unity is good. Not all unity is good. At the same token, not all division is bad. Did you know that? I want you to keep that in mind. Not all unity is good. Not all division is bad. For example, not all unity is good. What unity is that good? Let's read the book of Jeremiah 5, 29, 31. But I, uh, the Lord will punish them for these things. I will take revenge on this nation. A terrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. Prophets speak nothing but lies. Priests rule as the prophets command, even though they know it's lies. And my people offer no objections, even though they know it's lies. But what will they do when it all comes to an end? This is unity. They all decided to be one with the lie. Why? It came from the prophets. Who agreed with the lie and united with the lie? The priests. Who else? The people. And so they were united. Were they united? Yes. They were united. But they were united being one with a lie, not the truth. Is that good unity? That's not good unity. See, not all unity is good. You know how many of them united with that lie? Jeremiah 1.18. Listen, Jeremiah, everyone, except for him, everyone in this land, the kings of Judah, the officials, the priests, and the people will be against you. But today, I'm giving you the strength to resist them. How many were united in that lie? The Bible says everyone, king of Judah, the officials, the priests, the people, the prophets, they were all united in that lie. Is that good unity? No. What's the result? Because they united in doing what is wrong or against the will of God. They turned away from who? 
God. This is why it's not good unity. This is why we left the institution. We were not going to be one with something that's wrong and against the will of God. And so not all unity, next slide, is good. And not all divisions is bad, right? There's divisions that are, that, that are good. There's divisions that are bad. And there are basically two kinds of divisions. I don't know if you know this, but it's all in Matthew chapter 10. Yep. Matthew chapter 10 speaks about two kinds of divisions. What's the first kind? Matthew 10, 16, 21. Listen, I am sending you out just like sheep to a pack of wolves. You must be as cautious as snakes and as gentle as doves. People will hand over their own brothers to be put to death, and fathers will do the same to their children. Children will turn against their parents and have them put to death. Here, Yahusha is telling his disciples, it's like you're going to be thrown out there with a pack of wolves, you being sheep, who are the wolves referred to here, those in religious power, those who have authority, but misuse and abuse their authority to oppress the people of God. And so according to Yahushua, they're likened to wolves. And so what do they do to force unity? What would they do? What will they do to bring division in the land? The Bible says people will hand over their own brothers. Children will turn against their own parents. You know, if there's a, a, a really deep kind of division, it's when the homes are divided. Has that happened? Homes are being divided. Is that good? No, we don't want that, right? We want the homes to be united. The homes should be one, united. But this unity is the result of oppression. It's for selfish reasons. That's, um, when you examine a lot of the divisions that take place all over the world, it's caused by one thing, selfishness, right? So selfishness, one pursuing his or her own agenda, will bring division that is not good. It will even divide the home. So that's a wrong kind of division. But there's a good kind of division. Yeah. What is that? Also in Matthew chapter 10, same chapter, Matthew 10, 34, 36. Yahushua speaking. He says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the world. No, I did not come to bring peace but a... Sword, I came to set sons against their fathers, daughters against their mothers, daughters-in-law against their mothers-in-law. Your worst enemies will be the members of your own family. What also causes division? It's what Yahusha brings. What is that? A sword. Does a sword cut? Yes. When a sword swings, parts are cut off. Am I right? They're divided. This is why Yahushua says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What is that sword that slices? What is that sword that cuts? What is that sword that divides? Let's read Hebrews 4 verse 12. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts all the way through to where soul and spirit meet, to where joints and marrow come together. It, judge, it judges the desires and thoughts of the heart. What cuts? What separates? What divides? What is it? The Word of God. It's likened to a double-edged sword. So every time that sword is swung, peace is cut off. Another swing, another piece is cut off. Does it get bigger? 
it gets smaller. It's starting to take shape. You see, Yahusha is creating a masterpiece. He's using that sword to cut pieces here, pieces there, pieces there. Through what? Preaching the words of God. Why did he say he does not come to bring peace but a sword? Let's go back to Matthew 10, 34 to 36. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the world. No, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. I came to set sons against their fathers, daughters against their mothers, daughters-in-law against their mothers-in-law. Your worst enemies will be the mothers of your own family. Why did Yahushua say he came to bring a sword, not to bring peace? Because when he preaches the words of our Father, the words of our God, we have to make a choice. Either to follow and believe the words of God, or to not believe it. But the problem is those who don't believe it, what will they do? They will persecute those who believe it. Isn't that true? And so what happens? Division. Has that happened to the families? Yes. Has it happened before when Yahushua preached the word of God? Yes. For example, the book of John 6, 60, 66. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Yahushua just swung a sword. <laughs> he preached the words of God. And it was a hard teaching. It was very sharp. Who can accept it, they said. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Yahushua said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Yahushua had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Before he preached that hard teaching, before he swung that sword, he had many followers. Right? After he swung that sword, after he preached the word of God that to them was a hard teaching, what happened? They all stopped. Was that division? Yes or no? Yeah. Was that good division? Yeah. <laughs> Did it result in many more disciples or less? Yeah. What prevented them from believing or from following they did not believe the same the same thing today right i mean we left the institution because we did not want to have any part of their unity and so we left when we were by ourselves what happened we looked at the word of god and relied on the sword right and so we began to preach the word of god we looked for the word of god for answers and what did we find next slide Next slide again. Yeah. We saw the fulfillment of Isaiah 1, A2, 9. The sword was swung. And all of a sudden, there's another group. We don't believe in Isaiah 1, 8 to 9. Right? There was a division. Is that a good division? Yeah. What else? Next. Then we preach there's no need for an executive minister since Christ, our chief shepherd, is our true leader. Many did not like that. Is that biblical? Is that the word of God? Is it hard to hear? Yeah. Sword was swung again. Smaller again. <laughs> right? What else? Next slide. We preach we must legalize our religious works. Is that biblical? 
Yeah. Did many people disagree? Yeah. Another slice, right? Separation unto perfection. That's what it's called. Not really division, because the word holy means to set apart. The word holy means to cut. The word holy means to divide from what is not of God. This is why there's some division that's good. So we looked at, could we continue to look at the word of God? What did we, do, what did we find next? We said the basis of our faith is all of Scripture. And there are those who said, no, only what the Sugo taught. Another slice, right? And just recently, big swing. <laughs> what was that? Next slide. Proclaiming the names of God and the Son of God. Is that biblical? Yeah. Is it prophetic? Yeah. Is it important? Yeah. Did we preach it? Yeah. Did many people reject it? Yeah. What happened? Another slice, right? Are we surprised? No. Yahushua said, I came not to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. But that sword, it separates unto perfection. Because as people of God, we head towards perfection. Okay? All right. So we don't know what else the Bible will reveal. It seems like the more we study the Bible, the more we find out about qualities about God that we never knew before. We don't know how many else will be sliced. But it's up to the will of our Father. We're not here to increase in number. That's not our concern. Our concern is perfection. Perfection in our faith. Okay. Next slide. Next question. First John 2. Somebody posted this screenshot. It was given to me by email. And it was referring thou to us, who is a liar, but he doth... Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ... He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. So the question was, the apostles warned that there will be those who will preach another, Jesus, and those who proclaim Yahushua are the fulfillment of this. Is that true? Well, first of all, is it true that the apostles warned about the preaching of another Jesus? He did. He did. Let's look at that passage. The book of 2 Corinthians 11, 3 down to 4, But I feel as somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So Apostle Paul was pretty upset with the Christians there in Corinth because they were believing already in different gospels and a different Jesus. How can we tell if the Jesus that we believe in is the Jesus that is a different that is a different kind? How can we know if it's a different Jesus that we have faith in? Apostle Paul says, if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. So the Jesus that we have in mind, we have to compare with what the apostles preach. If there's deviation, what does that mean? It's a different Jesus. Am I right? You follow the logic? So are we preaching another Jesus because we preach that Jesus is actually Yahushua? Are we doing that? First of all, are we preaching a different Jesus? Well, who was the Jesus preached by the apostles? Acts 2.36, according to the apostle Peter, he is both Lord and Christ. Do we believe he's the Christ? Yes. Yeah, we believe he's the anointed one, the Messiah. Do we believe he's Lord? Yes, he is the one who is to be followed lord right what else 
Timothy 2.5. We believe he's the mediator between God and man. We believe he's a man, not God. Do we believe that? Yeah. What else do we, what else do we believe that was preached by the apostles? Um, next slide, please. Acts 5, verse 31. Him, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior for the forgiveness of our sins. Do we believe that? Yeah, we believe Christ forgives our sins. We believe he was exalted and sits at the right hand of God. We believe he is the Savior. What else did the apostles preach about Yahushua? Ephesians 1, 21, 22. Christ rules there above all heavenly rulers, authorities, powers, and lords. He has a title superior to all titles of authority. In this world and in the next, God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to the church as supreme Lord over all things. This was preached by the apostles. Do we believe this? Yes. So why will they say that we, we are preaching another Jesus? Why? Because they say we change his name from Jesus to what? Yahusha. Therefore, we are preaching a Jesus that was never preached by the apostle Paul or the apostle Peter or by the apostles. Do you get it? But when you follow that logic, isn't it the other way around? I can guarantee you this. Maybe I cannot convince you that the apostles preached Yahusha. But I can guarantee you this. The apostles have no idea who Jesus is. <laughs> right? If the apostles were alive today, for some miracle they were resurrected today, and then, oh, are you Apostle Paul? Can you tell me about Jesus? They will look at you. Who? <laughs> who is Jesus? They will not know who Jesus is. Why? Because the word Jesus was invented just recently. Not during the time of the apostles. This is why if you're going to follow that line of argument, it actually is in our favor. Right? Because the apostles, because if we're going to use the standard of who the Jesus that was preached by the apostles was as the Jesus that we need to believe, well, who was the Jesus preached by the apostle Paul? Philippians 2, 9 to 10, therefore God also has highly exalted him and, what does it say? Given him the name, which is above every name, according to apostle Paul. So apostle Paul, says this, this Jesus was given the name that is above every name, right? Next slide. Did the apostles call the Christ by the name Jesus? Is that the name that is above all names? No. Next slide. Impossible. The letter J was not invented during their time. In fact, Jesus as a name was not existed during their time. Next slide. So what is that name that was given above every name? Next slide, Philippians 2, 9, 10. What is that name? Why is it called the name above all, above every name? John 17, verse 11. Yahushua is speaking, and now I am coming to you. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Holy Father, keep them safe by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one just as you and I are one. And so the name that was preached by the apostles concerning Jesus was not Jesus. It was a name that contained the name of the Father. And what is that name? Yahushua. It has Yahoo. Jesus does not contain the name of the 
Father. But Yahusha does have the name of the Father. Yahu, Yahusha. And so let's go to 1 John 2, 22. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. Do we deny that Jesus is the Christ? No. We just believe it's not the name Jesus. We believe it's Yahusha, right? Why was he is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son? So if we deny the Father, if we deny the Son, the Bible says we are Antichrist. You know how? What is one way to deny the Father? Psalm 79, verse 6 Pour out your wrath on the nations that refuse to acknowledge you, on kingdoms that do not call upon your name. What's one way to deny the Father? If you refuse to acknowledge the Father, right? Isn't that the definition of denying? I refuse to acknowledge you. And Bible says, pour out your wrath on them. <laughs> and who are those who refuse to acknowledge the Father? They do not call upon His name. And so by rejecting the name of the Father, it's like denying the Father. How about denying the Son? What does the Son say? Revelation 3 verse 8, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Yahushua says, I know your works, and this is what I'm applauding you about. This is what I commend you about. You have not denied my name. Do you know why Yahushua said that? Because there are many who denied his name. And he says to these brethren, but you, you're special, even though you're weak. You did something good. I know your works. You did not deny my name name why do others deny the name of yahusha john 5 43 i have come in my father's name it has yahoo in it and you do not receive me if another comes in his own name remove the yahoo him you will receive isn't this what's happening today you take out the yahoo yeshua yahusha they will believe jesus they will believe but if you put back the father's name they will not believe anymore. Remember, Yahushua came in the Father's name. Next slide. As did so many of the prophets of God, it's all biblical. This is why we believe that the true name of the Father is Yahuwah, the Son is Yahusha. Are we the Antichrist? No. Did we deny the Father? No. We acknowledge the Father. Did we deny Yahusha? No. Did we, we acknowledge Yahusha by believing that He came in the name of His Father. So by that definition, who really is the Antichrist? Right? That's up to you to decide. But we're not going to embark on that. Okay? All right. That is our lesson for today. Uh, let us all stand for our closing prayer. Everlasting Father, yes. our gracious God, Yahuwah, yes. thank you so much for again revealing your truth. Yes. We believe that every answer concerning our faith can be found in your book. And so the basis of our faith is always the Bible. Yes. So we believe you have shown us what we need to do, yes. what we need to believe, what we need to follow in every page of your glorious book. Amen. Teach us, O oh Father, to pay close attention. Yes. Not just to pay close attention, but to closely follow yes. and commit our life to you. Amen. Lord Yahusha, we praise you. We do not deny your name, no. Yes. We will follow you and be faithful to you. Because your name is so precious to us, the name given by which all will receive salvation. Amen. Father, thank you so much for listening to your people. Yes. May we take this opportunity now for you to remember your servants, 
who yes. may be physically afflicted with disease or any yes. kind of sickness. Father, please have mercy upon all of them. Yes. Heal us all, O oh Father, and show mercy upon your people. Amen. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha. Amen. Amen.